Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You're listening to 100 Words or Less with Ray Harkins. Hello, you punk and hardcore and indie rock and emo aficionados. Thank you for downloading and streaming this very podcast because that is what we do here. We document individuals that are making it, creating it, participating in it, or have just been influenced by it in a very deep and real way. And this person is what I would like to say a lifer within this whole beautiful independent music scene. His name is Scott Vogel. He is the lead vocalist from a band called Terror. And if you've been living under a rock and have never listened to Terror, just come out from underneath it. Go watch them play live, go consume their music, and then you'll be like, you know what? What was I doing? Why was I not paying attention to that band? But for most of you, you are probably familiar with with Terror, and he also plays in a band called World Be Free, also a great band, also played in bands like Despair, Slugfest. He is a very prolific human being within the context of this music scene. And I also love him dearly. I just think he's probably one of the uh, most captivating frontmen. Like he literally had a website for many, many years called vogalisms.com. I mean, he didn't create it himself. That is very, uh, you know, sort of inspiring (laughs) where it's like, he says things on stage that you're just like, man, I want to punch through a wall. I'm going to like charge up this hill with you. But anyways, Scott Vogel, like I said, just a great human being. Terror has a new record called Pain Into Power, and you need to listen to that. But we have a very in-depth conversation, because I actually, this is a repeat guest for those of you that are keeping score, and uh, Scott and I talk about that at the very top of this episode. But um, yeah, I typically don't like to dip into guests more than once, because, uh, you know, that's like, I try to have that as the definitive document, as it were. But it had been eight plus years since I had a discussion with Scott on this particular podcast, so I decided to, uh, you know, break that rule, because rules were meant to be broken. We're punk, right? Anyways, tell people you know about this show. Tell your friends, tell your family. I don't care who. Spread it on social media. All of that helps. You can also rate the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Those have star ratings. It takes you like 30 seconds. Just legitimizes the show in ways that I can't even begin to articulate, but because you know I don't want to bore you. <laughs> but ultimately, it helps out the show a lot. And you can also leave a written review on Apple Podcasts. Very, very cool stuff. I would appreciate it. Let's just talk to Scott, okay? Because I I just love this conversation. He told me, oh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bury the lead. Just listen to it and enjoy. And here's a little bit of some of the new terror record as we lead into this. And of course, I will talk to you after the episode is over, where I can share about who's coming up next week. So let's go. Hey, you know, have you had Scott in the podcast before? I was like, yeah, that's a couple of years ago. And then I look back and I was like, oh, it's been like seven years. <laughs> yes, you 
honestly, you're the first podcast I ever did. And I didn't even know what we were doing. I know you came over and yep. put some sort of device in front of me and said, this is a podcast. And I was like, whatever the fuck that is. And here we are seven years later. And it's like the, the, the craze of the universe. Right. Yeah. Nine, nine million podcasts later that you've appeared on. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, that I, I, and that I think honestly, that really hits home to me. Uh, the sort of person that you are, and I'm not just saying this to blow smoke up your butt, but if you trust a person, you'll be like, oh yeah, I don't even know what a podcast is, but like, yeah, Ray's cool. Like, <laughs> we're totally fine to be able to do this. And so I think that is emblematic of you as a person to be able to, you know, the the people that you do trust, you'll follow them along within reason, you know, and be able to be like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll do that. Sure. Well, I don't know if you know this, Ray, but you... um you may have a hidden dark side, but you come across as a nice, caring, professional gentleman. So I, I would trust you in many lanes of life. Oh, well, I, I do appreciate that. And yes, we all have our dark sides, but that is generally <laughs> that is generally the vibe I like to create. And uh, therefore, you know, it's able to make people like yourself be like, I don't know what a podcast is, but I'll trust this. <laughs> I'll tr- trust the process. <laughs> So, so th- considering the fact that, you know, it's been so many years and, you know, I've obviously kept up on you as a human being and I know we, uh, we always exchange pleasantries when we see each other, but, um, you, you moved to Buffalo and I completely missed that on the life journey. Um, so when did that actually take place? That took place, uh, right before Thanksgiving of 20, uh, years are so weird right now. They are. 2020. So basically the pandemic hit, lockdown happened. Um, I had uh, coronavirus really pretty intensely immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, were, we were on tour. I guess I'm going a little off the rails here, but we'll get to the move. Yep. So, so I had coronavirus right when all this started. Tara was on a our last tour before we all knew what was, what was coming our way. And, uh, just like after the tour, I, you know, I get sick kind of often on tour, uh, as disgusting as touring is and like, you know, a sort of DIY band. Anyways, I thought, uh, I just had the tour sickness and it just got worse and worse and worse. And, uh, I was pretty fucked up for a couple of weeks. And then it was looking like we weren't going to tour for a while. The world was going crazy. Um, part of me loved that, uh, an actual full, a full break. Um, but it was hard to enjoy watching the world be so crazy. But uh, my girlfriend one day turned to me and said, I want to go to law school. And I was like, you know, we had also too been um, – she didn't love LA mm-hmm. and you know, I was, I think I was on 19 years of Los Angeles and I would say maybe at year like 12, I was kind of like, wasn't like the place for me anymore. Um, but when you're in terror, you don't have time to assess your life and act on it. You can maybe assess it from some other country, but like, Coming home and moving would have been a real headache when you're touring like eight months a year. So, I mean, I'm sure I could have, but it was easy just to think about it and keep going and going and going. But she said this, I was like, well, we have nothing else in the fucking world to do. So let's figure this out. She, I, I, uh, put a little bug in her ear that you Buffalo, the university of Buffalo has a really good law school. She applied to a few schools. She got into UB. We were in a U-Haul. Was it a U-Haul truck or a rider truck? Okay. I don't know what the I don't know what the difference is. Uh, you know, a couple months later, and there you were, fucking are. Yep. Well, that's uh, it, it's cool for you to be able to not only go back to a place that you are clearly very familiar with, but I really that was actually gonna lead into another question I was going to ask you of the idea of taking an actual break, like you said, a forced break, but one of those things where you actually, 
were able to consider your life outside of being Scott Vogel from Terror. Like, yes, of course, you always do because you're always involved in all these musical projects and, you know, bands and stuff. But you were able to exist in a world that you hadn't for so many years. Uh, I hate to sound insensitive, but when when this was all happening, you know, after I got done being really sick and I knew we weren't touring and I felt somewhat immune to coronavirus at the time because I had just got done with it. I was, I got unemployment for the first time in my life and I had no flights booked. I had no bag to pack. I had nothing to do with music. I was living in Burbank, which is, you know, pretty suburban for, for Los Angeles. Uh, the weather was beautiful and I was just like taking walks and riding my bike and, uh, cutting my own hair in my garage. I, I get my hair cut pretty often. I became my own barber and it was really fucking amazing. Right. Flip, flip side. If I looked a few blocks past Burbank and saw what was going on in the world or, you know, just going to the supermarket became this whole uh, uh, fucking adventure. I don't know. That's that's a nice way to put it. It became sure. this whole fucking insane process. But when I could block out the world and just concentrate on myself, it was great. And I think that, I mean, no matter what anybody has been through, you know, whether they have lost their job, got sick, like all of these things, there was elements of self-reflection and you had to sit by yourself (laughs) to be able to be comfortable with either the, you know, lot in life that you had been cast, whether it is, like you said, just, you know, being able to do the things that you might not have been able to do, or like you said, have those moments to yourself where it's like, it, like, is there anything that I'm, I'm feeling that I like need to work on or <laughs> just like those moments of reflection you wouldn't able to, you weren't able to have any prior to that. If, if you took money out of the equation, because it wasn't great for money with, with a band like terror, like all we do is tour for 20 years straight. That's how we make a living. You know, um, many of us have little other side hustles, but that's our main source of income. So if you take money away, I would have people a year later texting me like, you must be dying to play a show. And I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm fucking fine. Like this. Right. Like, you know, I, I mean, I felt, I felt really horrible for like younger bands and bands that were just, you know, starting to, to get out there and, and make their mark and get, get their, get their, uh, feet wet. If that's the right term. Yep. And I couldn't imagine if, if I was like, if Tara was just starting and that shit happened, I would have been freaking out. Like this can't happen. We have to tour. But with, with us, like 20 years later, I was like, Oh my God, this is what it feels like to not live in a van with five other dudes. <laughs> Sure. The the element of quote unquote real life uh, sunk in and it was, uh, you know, a, a pleasant, uh, a pleasant thing for you to settle into. Oh, it was great. Yeah. I, and two, if I think back to, I don't know, let's say 2008, Terror was literally touring nine months out of the year. It was fucking insane. Since then, getting older, bodies getting beaten up brains needing more time away we've kind of reeled it back to like you know it's definitely less than it used to be but there was a time when like you know we would just go from one tour to the next to like you know we'd we'd end a tour in philadelphia and not even go back to la get on a flight to europe not even go back to la and get on a flight to japan and then come back to la three months had passed and you're just like that that was our world. 
Right. Well, and you hit on the topic that I wanted to talk about as well with, you know, like you were saying with your health. And I know you've had, uh, you know, there's been times where you've had to either cancel shows or, you know, move tours back based on, you know, your lower back and that sort of, you know, idea of, yeah, I've been jumping on stages for 30 plus years. And like, you know, eventually that that breaks down. What, did it also give you a chance to kind of, I guess, take care of yourself and recharge from that perspective? Yeah, definitely. And uh, in a lot of different ways, even, you know, the, the physical part that you're mentioning for sure. Um, but also just the mental part, just like, just totally thinking about things in a different way. And like, uh, I'm, I'm very much, uh, with terror throughout our history. I'm so hands-on, like, micromanaging what's what's going on why hasn't this happened yet what's going to happen with this well if this doesn't happen this needs to happen like crazy and now like vitalo has me in his phone as scotty zen because i'm just like i had to like let go of all because during the pandemic there was just no i couldn't even ask when do you think will be our next show right like it, there's just no answer so it's just like freed me of all the, you know, there's still these times where my stress creeps in and I, I want answers and stuff, but like, I just, now I'm just like, it's all going to work out one way or another. Right. Or if it does, if it doesn't, we got through two years of no shows. If this little angle doesn't work, what's the big fucking deal? Right. Yeah. Everything is not, I mean, to crib a uh, title off of, uh, you know, one of your uh, old musical outputs, like it's not life or death. <laughs> No, it isn't. I can remember back in the day, like we would be on tour in, you know, a pretty fucked up van and we'd get a flat tire. The, the, the check engine light would come on and I would like start mentally freaking out. And sometimes it would just come out like we, we have to make the show. And now it's just like, dude, if you miss the show in Kansas city on a Tuesday, it really wasn't worth it the 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 stress you just put on your body and everyone else in the van like everyone's probably like relax psycho like right <laughs> yeah it's like then, this yeah back then it was life and death sure. why i don't know but it was right well, and did you feel, uh, you know, I guess with those times where, you know, you did have to push stuff back based off of your health and, you know, you recuperating, because did you actually have surgery on your back or am I incorrect about that? I'm, on my neck. But your my neck, back that's right. Too. This whole spine's a fucking mess, but um, sure. yes, my neck, but what was the question? Did I? I? I was just saying, did you, like, when you had that time off to recuperate from your your you know, surgery as well. Did you feel any of that, I guess, mental space for you to get, you know, more Zen, like, like you were talking about? I can only, I'm going to say no. The only thing I can remember about after my neck surgery is like spinal surgery was fucking close to hell. Right. So I was mis miserable and it was, uh, at the exact same time, I'm trying to think if it was when Donald Trump, I wish I could put the timeline together, but Donald Trump was either running for president or had just won the presidency. So I was just like glued to the TV being like, wow, this world is. Yeah. What's happening? Not, the, things yeah. aren't great right now. I can't move my fucking neck. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, 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 that's all I remember. So no, I wasn't Zen right then. Right. I was in mis misery. Sure. Could've used some Zen. <laughs> yeah, you could you could have used that time. Well, I I mean, and I'm sure that you, you know, friends and peers and other uh, people as they get older, it is that element of perspective that starts to balance out any of the life or death triggers that you get when you, you know, are encountering these really in the big picture trivial things. Um, and so, but sometimes we just have to arrive at it via different methods, like, you know, a worldwide pandemic or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it for most of us or, that, or push it right over the edge. Right, right. 
your um and so th- with the time off off the road like you know you were still doing a lot of things in regards to you know putting out a world be free record um and uh you know i know the project that uh you did with your brother and sort of resurrected those old recordings um which i'll dig into a little bit um but did you find i guess the rat race of productivity kind of shutting off in your brain too where you felt like you could i guess do these things that might not have fit into the the terror time as it were i if i sat here and listed all the musical stuff i did in the pandemic it's pretty long um like the world be free record i want to say was done but came out in the pandemic uh my brother, we'll, we'll just tackle all these things. My brother and I had a project we had recorded a while ago called Serpent of Shiva that finally found a home and came out. Uh, didn't come out, but was announced or whatever. Yep. My brother also one day, this is fucking crazy. You know, I'm just texting with my brother and he's like, I still have those uh, two Slugfest songs you never sang on. <laughs> I was like, I was like, what? Right. And he's like, yeah, when we did our last thing, we recorded two extra songs and you never sang on them. I was like, what are you talking about? Send them to me. And then he sent them. I was like, oh my God, these are really good. So I went um, and recorded vocals of that. And then just recently, like within the last two months, New Age Records put that out. So that was another thing I did in the pandemic. And then Terror Alone did trapped in a world thing with Todd Jones, like a, a like kind of like a live demo recording. We self-released on an LP of like old songs from our first two records. Yep. We did a cover, a cover cassette of a zero tolerance and conviction cover that Reaper records put out. We dug up some old songs that Andrew from strife on war records put out. So during it, and we did like something we called a garage cast. I mentioned my garage. That was like my safe haven because one beautiful thing about Buffalo, now I live in a four-bedroom apartment that's half as much as my one-bedroom apartment in Burbank. And at that time, it was me and my girlfriend in one bedroom. So I kind of like turned our garage into my like man cave to get the hell away from each other. Sure. Um, so like Nick and Martine would come over and, he, you know, Nick has a recording studio and we set up like microphones and, and just talked about terror and, and went record by record. So we did that. And I'm probably forgetting uh, a couple other things. So I don't remember what you asked me, but I think it was, did I shut off the productivity? No, I'm still a little bit crazy, but I just didn't have to travel to do it. I just did it from uh, the San Fernando Valley. Right. <laughs> and we, we wrote the whole fucking new terror record. Like that was all written when I moved. Almost the whole thing was done. Almost. Everybody is looking to make healthy changes in their life, whether that's eating more of a certain thing, eating less of another thing, working out more. Let me just remove all of the noise from that and recommend this amazing company to you called Athletic Greens. And they specifically have a product called AG1, which what is it? It is with one scoop of this amazing green stuff. You are absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. Those all sound healthy, right? But real talk, this stuff tastes good. You put it in a 12-ounce little bottle of water, shake it up, taste it. It is awesome. I've been using this stuff for about five months, and I'm already a pretty healthy dude. I work out four or five times a week. Trust me, that's not a flex. Just letting you know what I'm doing. I'm already vegan myself. So, you know, I'm, I'm pretty healthy, all things considered. But this has made a world of difference in my own life because, you know, it's just giving me a little more pep in my step, so to speak. And so I want to give you, with this awesome promo code <laughs> called athleticgreens.com slash Ray, it will give you one free year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. So please go to athleticgreens.com slash Ray to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. This stuff is great. You won't regret it. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
We all carry around different things that stress us out, right? Like maybe it's something really, really small, like, man, that parking space, it's always taken. And I wish that I would be able to like get it instead of, you know, this person that maybe, you know, is the most courteous and considerate. I know that's something very random, but it's true. We all experience different things throughout the day that trigger us in so many different ways. And there are many times where I have been like, I wish that I had a a spot or a repository for me to, you know, get this stuff off of my chest. Because if you bottle it up, that is no bueno. And then all of a sudden you explode on a coworker or a friend or a family member being like, the parking spot. And people are like, what are you talking about? That is where therapy comes in. And I love working with BetterHelp because I'm a huge advocate for therapy, broadly speaking. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, please give BetterHelp a try. It is so easy because it's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire, and then you get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you are not vibing with the therapist for any reason, you can switch it out at no additional charge. Get things off of your chest with BetterHelp. So visit BetterHelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash Ray. Yeah, so it's like you you were able to just do... Uh, sort of different uh, creative projects that you would not have had the time to do because like you were mentioning, you know, you would be on the road, even though, like you said, you're more calculated with your touring approach, you still are gone. So it eliminates a lot of, you know, those improvisational things that you can kind of do. Yeah, for sure. And and when you do go on tour for three weeks and you get home, the last thing you want to do is like jump into to music. But when the whole touring aspect is gone, and all you've done for 20 years is music, then it, that itch or that creative desire is still there. So it was like the poor, big portion of terror is the touring. So when like eight, the 80% is gone and only the 20% is there to like make music and stuff, it was just, it was much calmer too. Right, exactly. Yeah, you didn't have to, the desire to create was there, but it wasn't the, you know, rat race of we got to get our next LP out in two years. Cause that's what the, you know, that's what's on the calendar. Yeah. That's kind of, is that less existent? It seems less existent. It, yeah. It, yeah. I think bands can pick their spots a little bit more. I mean, I do think hardcore bands exist, you know, in a bubble where once you've put out two full lengths, like, you know, you've made it, <laughs> you know, where it's like, wow, I couldn't, I can't believe you put out two records. And then, you know, you just kind of keep on going after that. If you make it to two, you know, Chairs on like 75 albums now, so. Totally. You got, I mean, yeah, obviously the, uh, <laughs> you know, the grandfathers of hardcore, not the godfathers, the grandfathers. <laughs> um, this, this is kind of delving into, you know, you as your kind of personality and everything like that. Most people that interact with you at shows or, you know, clearly through your music probably peg you as an extrovert. You know, you can kind of go into rooms and, you know, navigate appropriately, but from what I know about you is that side is definitely true, but you are also introverted in a way where you need kind of your space and your alone time from that perspective. Where do you kind of, I guess, see yourself landing? Would you classify yourself more as an extrovert or an introvert? That's an interesting question. I think in my youth, I was very much an extrovert. I, um, never wanted to stay home. I always, you know, even when I was young, I would go out and play sports with my friends until I had to come home at the last minute. And then, you know, when I found hardcore, all I did was form bands, go to shows, take road trips, go to my friends' bands, practices, go out and watch people skateboard because I sucked at it, go to Denny's and, and talk about music, make fanzines. So when I was young, it was super, I was always out. I never wanted to be home. Um, I think the reality is when you tour so much and, uh, you know, not in a, um, you know, we're, we're very DIY. So, um, you know, terrors to this day, uh, in Europe, we're, we're lucky enough to almost always have a bus, which is great, but everywhere else we're in a van. 
So you're, you know, you're sitting in a van with five other people for, you know, three to 10 hours a day. And then you go to the venue. And if there's a backstage, you're backstage with at least terror, maybe the whole tour package. And then it's back into the van to the hotel. Terror always gets two hotel rooms. So that means I'm sharing a room with three people, um, myself and two other people. The only time you get on tour by yourself, something that I really try to do is, you know, take a long walk every day. Um, that's the only time, you know, you, you stop at a rest stop. You're with a couple of your band members and whoever else is at that rest stop. You go to get food. You're never, ever, ever alone. So I think doing that for year after year after year, I've become very introverted as I love to be alone. I go to the movies alone. I go out to eat alone. I go to the supermarket alone. I take walks and listen to podcasts all the time. I fucking love it. Right. I go to, I go to sporting events alone. I go to Sabres games alone. And I noticed some people that might be really weird, but if you went on tour for 20 years straight, you would probably get it. So, but I can, you know, I know when I go to a show, I'm going to have lots of conversations with people. When I go on tour, I always find the people, you know, and on the tour package, the, the kids in the younger bands that want to talk about, whether it's the judge seven inch or morning again or whatever, whatever hardcore stuff they're into. I always like have lots of conversations about music and stuff. So I can be social, but when I don't have to be, I'm perfectly comfortable with that. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that's, important to be able to recognize about yourself because I, I I do think the people that get burnt out on you know touring or being exposed so much so often is the fact that they don't leave themselves that time to be able to recharge and they're just like constantly going because that's what's expected of them and then they end up like literally hating tour and then feel like they have to like throw everything away because of that you know yeah. Um, I th that, that's another great thing about moving back to Buffalo. Like in LA, it's very hard to get time by yourself. Just even like sitting in traffic, you can't get any time by yourself. So Buffalo is much smaller and has much more opportunity for stress-free, people-free days. Sure. And how now that you're back there, what have you like how much has that city changed for you? I mean, no matter what a city is going to change over a long period of time, but uh, do you, is it a shell of what you once recognized or what's the, what's the vibe there? It's fucking, it's beautiful. I love it. Um, you know, I always, always repped Buffalo, even when I was in LA for a long time and appreciated it and would always be excited to come here and always kept my eye on the hardcore scene here and tried to support that as much as I could from afar. But I think one of the things that I, I see the most is when I was younger, uh, you don't really, I didn't at least look at like the architecture and some of the beautiful things that Buffalo has. And now that's all I really see beautiful buildings and lakes. And there's, there's, it's just a really beautiful city. I think it's a little bit nicer and a little bit more hip and modern than when I left. Um, you know, it's obviously not Los Angeles or Toronto, but I think it has a lot of great things to offer. And I'll just drive down streets that I drove down thousands of times before and would just not be thinking about my surroundings, just thinking about the show I was going to or whatever I was doing. And now I step back and look and, and really appreciate some things about it. Right. You're like, Hey, look at that. <laughs> look at that river. Look at that building. I never noticed it before. How long has it been there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm a fucking adult. This is weird. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, it's good because I, I, can, I am sure you have many friends and many uh, peers and no shade against them, but there's that Peter Pan syndrome where you're just locked into being a child and there's nothing wrong with an element of that. But 
yeah, if you don't grow up and look at the buildings, like, you know, what are, what are you even doing? For sure. For <laughs> sure. But I'm still, I mean, I'm still living a very youthful life. Yes. So yes. I don't want to paint myself as too much as an adult because I'm sure the fuck not. No. <laughs> well, and I think... I honestly, I always describe it as doing adult-like things because I think that once we've been, you know, existing in the subcultures that you and I have for as long as we have, there is always going to be an element of just like, you know, if someone actually had a conversation about what it is that you do or listen to, people are just like, what the hell are you talking about, dude? What do you, What is hot water music? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Well, if people look at me and then they ask me my band name and I say terror. They're just like, what the, what does that mean? And you look pretty normal. How can you be Mr. Terror? Totally, totally. Um, and speaking of Hot Water Music, you, you got to collaborate with them on that uh, Two Minutes to Midnight thing, which um, I'm sure for you, knowing as much of a uh, you know Hot Water Music head as you are, was that just kind of like, I can't believe they agreed to do this. Like what was going through your head as it was all kind of coming together? Uh, yeah. Let me break down how this happened. So when I moved here, I needed to find a studio to start demoing uh, vocals for the terror LP. So um, there's a, a studio close to me. All, you know, my old bands and bands still go to Watchmen studios. I don't know if anyone knows that name, but like, Tons of Buffalo stuff was done there. Um, Death Threat recorded their last day's record there. There's a lot of stuff has been done there, but that's pretty far. So I live in the city. That's like way out in Lockport. So like a good half hour drive. There's a studio called GCR, which is owned by the Goo Goo Dolls. That is like 10 minutes from me. And um, that's where like the Zero Tolerance 7 inch was recorded and you know a lot a lot of stuff came out of there goo goo doll stuff i think uh sam i am recorded there and probably a million things that are really cool that i don't even know about but so i started going there with a guy named jay zabricki which i had his contact because he had a <laughs> recorded the newest buried alive stuff that came out a, a few years ago he did the music in LA, in Buffalo, I was still in LA. And then I did the vocals in LA. So I had talked to him back and forth. I said, Hey, can I, um, demo these vocals? So I would start going there pretty often and he's a really nice guy. And we started, you know, hanging out and talking. And, um, I believe one of the first, what is it? Two minutes to midnight. Is that what it is? Yeah. Two I minutes think so. Late night. Yeah. Two minutes. Okay. To late, yeah. Um, I believe the one, if, if not the first things, one of the things he did was an every time I die in Caven thing. Yep. You're mashup. Right. And, uh, Jay probably, he records every time I die one way or another. So he, maybe he engineered it or something. And one day I was in there and he was like, Hey, I, you know, I talked to this guy. Fuck. I, I think his name is Jordan. I talked to Jordan, blah, blah, blah. And he's interested in terror doing one of these. And I was like, okay, that's fucking really cool. He said, and, and they had just did Caven and uh, Every Time I Die, kind of in the same ballpark, you know, not the same band, but similarities. Yeah. Yep. But by the time this conversation happened, he had released Integrity and Nothing, which was like, whoa, this is, makes no sense, but it makes perfect sense. Yep. So, I got in my head like, okay, it's got to be this like way far out idea, but somehow it's going to work. So I just shot for the fucking sky and just said my favorite band in the world. Ooh, I have sort of a relationship with, I, I, um, when I see those guys, I, you know, hang with them a little, uh, maybe three years ago, we did a fest in Brazil where it was, it was great. Hot Water Music, Terror, and uh, Popeye from Farside. Oh, hell yeah. Acoustic. So that, you know, that was great. That was the last time I saw them. And I just said Hot Water Music. And, and uh, Jordan, through email, was like, give me a week and I'll make it happen. And my head was like, they're never going <laughs> to. Right. They're never going to. And he, then he wrote me back. He's like, they're down. I was like, okay, 
I've told people I'm down when I'm not down. This still isn't going to happen. And uh, then I had to, you know, can, you know, I knew they would do it for me, but there, there's me who's a hot water music super fan. There's people in terror that like hot water music. And then there's people in terror that don't really care either way. Mm -hmm. And I had to be like, listen, I know some of you don't care, but please, we have to do this. And they were like, for you, anything, my friend. So we recorded our song, and I knew that Hot Water Music was in the studio with uh, Brian McDermott doing the, the new record that just came out like a week or two ago. And I was waiting and waiting and waiting. And then he told me the song's done. And then I fucking heard... I. We, I had a deal with, you know, it's cool that you have to cover your favorite band song. Also, they sound so much different than Terror. And they, you know, they got gruffly voices, but they sing. So I had my work cut out for me. And in the end, when the Terror song was all done, I was really happy. I was like, this came out super cool. Then I fucking heard their version of keepers of the faith. And like, if I was being more emotional that day, I might've had like a tear dripping down my cheek. Cause it was so fucking cool. So that's the whole story. One of the coolest things ever. And I appreciate you laying it out like that, because I do think that in the age of, you know, disposable stuff that happens on the internet, sometimes the context gets lost. And while people probably, you know, saw the interaction between, you know, terror and hot water and the covers and stuff like that, you know, very, I mean, you make it clear that you like the band, but not everybody understands like maybe how meaningful hot water music is to you. And so that's, uh, it's just cool to see that not only come to fruition, but then for them to take it really seriously, just like you guys were taking it very seriously. It wasn't just something that was like, Oh, I guess we'll do this. Whatever. Want me to flip the story even harder? Ha- flip it, my friend. So I'm going to start with the, this all goes back to buried alive. When I first heard hot water music, it was when, uh, forever and counting came out and some of the members of buried alive, we all four of us lived together and they loved hot water music. And I literally thought it was terrible. I was like the, the opposite of a super fan. I was like, I wouldn't even say I would hate it. I was just like, this is not good. And then eventually they would play the the band. They would play hot water music so much. And it finally clicked and grew and grew and grew to become my favorite band. So I have buried alive to thank for that. But today is Monday. When this Friday, Saturday and Sunday buried alive is playing a couple shows, New York city, Connecticut, Syracuse. Just so happens Hot Water Music is playing in Toronto on one of those days. So I will miss them due to Buried Alive, but I have Buried Alive to thank for putting them into my brain. Right. (laughs) They were the ones who cemented your fandom of it. I I love that. I know what you were thinking. You were like, you know what? I need new band merch. Where the hell do I go to buy more band merch? No, you weren't thinking that, but... Now that I'm talking about it, you are thinking about it, and that means you go to rockabilia.com and use the promo code 100 words or less that gets you 10% off your order immediately. And now what makes Rockabilia better than all of the other places out there? First of all, all officially licensed band merch. That means the bands get paid, the company gets paid, you get awesome merch. It's a win-win-win scenario across the board. And on top of it, they have so much stuff on their website. You can find gifts for your brother, sister, father, mother, dad, grandfather, grandmother, whoever it is that you're buying stuff for, including yourself, you will be able to find your perfect fit. Trust me, go to rockabilia.com, use that promo code 100 words or less, 10% off your order. You will thank me. And people have thanked me. They've literally emailed me and saying, thank you. I did not know rockabilly.com existed. So hence why marketing works. (laughs) Anyways, buy more band merch. Go to rockabilly.com. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Speaking of which, with Buried Alive, and like you mentioned, the you know the fact that you got to put out new music, and I know Triple B did the re-release of Death of Your Perfect World. How, I guess, how different is it revisiting something like Buried Alive that was you know such a short burst of activity? You guys hit it hard, and you did a lot for how long you existed. Is it different for you, kind of getting up there and singing those songs, or does it all kind of feel? like you know just a different shade of what you are doing with with terror i know musically it's very similar but like how does it sit in your brain or do you even think about it Hmm. it's it's i mean the the show part is similar uh i'm always gonna be me yep and it's it's just kind of me with different people around me the part that's hard is um Terror is, you know, has been around for so long and it's just this like well-oiled machine and we like, we can speak our own language. Like I can send an email that other people would read and the, the wording doesn't make sense to the average person, but we just, you know, just know how to talk about songwriting and, and there's just, uh, everyone in terror knows that Martin is really good at art. So he does the art and then. Nick doesn't give a fuck about certain things, but he, he is in the recording world. So when it comes to recording, he wants to know about what studio and when we're going to do it and, and stuff like that. And, and we just know each other so well. And so I have that kind of, um, that, that band dynamic is cemented in me. And then I go to buried alive and it's, uh, we don't know each other that good. People don't know what we're, everyone wants to be involved in everything because this is their only band. And it just, sometimes it makes me frustrated because I want it to be as simple and smooth as terror, but that's just not a a realistic expectation. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Especially like you're talking about where other people are coming to the table with, um, you know, different uh, perceptions and expectations. And then when it's something, you know, like you said, with terror, everything is in shorthand. You guys could probably say like four words to each other and like everybody gets it and, you know, doesn't need to talk for like a month or something. Not to say that you would do that, but yeah, there's that understanding that is really hard rooted in the band at this point. Terror could get a call. We, we haven't seen each other in a while. We could get a call to play a show tomorrow all fly there. I could show up with a piece of one piece of paper with the set list, put it down and we could just do it. And it would go pretty smooth with, uh, and there's no way I should expect that to happen with buried alive. Right. But there's just a lot of more like fine tuning and, and, and it's just different. So it's, it's, it's hard. Yeah, no, I totally get that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I will say this, the, the shows have all been, really really fun the vibe is really fun um we i left the band in a really shitty way uh, like in in a bad way like i just quit the band and fucking left town and just left these dudes high and dry and we didn't talk for a long time and the most important thing is like tonight after this i'm we're, we're practicing for this weekend we're gonna go laugh and 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 do fun shit that's the most important thing that these people are all my friends again and when the first show back we did was that this is hardcore. I don't know, like I don't know, four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. And I don't sit around and listen to my, you know, terror or buried alive or any of the shit I did. 
but I had to listen to Buried Alive to relearn the songs. And I was like, I don't really talk like this, but that the Death of Your Perfect World album, it's really fucking good. Right. And like to hear it again after, you know, you know, I'd hear it sometimes here and there, but to really listen to it, I was like, man, we were doing something pretty special. That was, you know, it's, it's different. It's a little, and for me, all my bands, Slugfest, Despair, Terror are a pretty straightforward, like aggressive in your face, hardcore, metallic hardcore. Yep. Buried Alive is a little bit different, a little bit special. So, yeah. Uh, well, it only takes that, like you're talking about, like it's the the distance and the the objectivity where, you know, because you left in the way that you did, you can now come back. And like you said, the most important point is that you're friends now, but you can look at this, you know, with a different <laughs> perspective because you're just like, well, uh, you know, I, I didn't have as much emotional connection to it because I kind of, you know, burnt that bridge. And now I can listen to it and say, well, this is actually pretty good. <laughs> That's a very good point. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. And on Buried Alive as well, I think even though Terror has done a fair share of diverse touring in regards to different styles you've gone out with and, you know, everything that falls under the heavy music banner, I do think, because I, I so, I know this was a, a very popular tour for you guys, but when you went out with, you know, Save Today, Kid Dynamite and Snapcase, you know, across the country, I know that's a really important tour for a lot of people of a certain age, because that was, even though all the bands were objectively attached to the hardcore scene, they all brought their own flavor to it. And I think Buried Alive existed in that world where it's like, you guys could play with, you know, a lot of people outside of what, you know, maybe some of your other bands would be able to do. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, it seems like, you know, I'm sure, you know, that, you know, uh, despair played with split lip, uh, true despair played with the get up kids. Um, you know, there was, there used to be so like the scene, especially here in Buffalo, there just wasn't enough kids to have separate scenes. And, you know, a, a tour like that is beautiful when you think about it. Snapcase, it saves the day. I almost said the get-up kids. Snapcase, saves the day, Kid Dynamite, Buried Alive. That's like a wild lineup, but it, it worked great. Right, um, right. You know, we, we did after that. This is definitely not as diverse, but like a VOD Scarhead, Candiria, Buried Alive. That's all more like kind of tougher but still some like putting Candiria in with anybody, you're going to have diversity. We also did, um, I won't call this a tour, but we did, I think four shows in, uh, I think it was Canada, maybe Buffalo too. It was hot water music, buried alive, Elliot. Like, yeah. That's like a dream, for the dream tour for me. <laughs> totally. You're like, dude, I don't even want to play. I just want to hang out. <laughs> that's incredible. Um, and with the new terror record, I know, I mean, you've always been a fan of pulling in your friends to do guest spots, whether it's, you know, guest vocals, guitar, whatever the case may be. It seems like this record, you've definitely pulled out more of that, uh, you know, partially because I'm sure it's fun for you to be like, yeah, I'm going to ask some of my, you know, I'm going to ask, uh, you know, George Cannibal Corpse to do a, a guest spot on this so just to, you know, expand kids brains that never would have thought about cannibal corpse singing a terror record ever um so is it just fun for you to kind of like pull your friends in to do this or is it one of those things that you are kind of thinking about it differently uh i like record you i can see it both ways i don't know if terror's ever had a record without any guest spots but there are like like some really classic records that don't need that guest spot and I don't know if we'll ever go down that road, but to me, it's just like you meet so many people and you connect with so many people, like along the way, how could we not have Aaron from death Red on one of our songs or like just these like people that really influence us and our friendship so tight with them. It's like, you need them as like just cemented into the record. And, you know, we've done like outside the box things with hip hop people on our record, mm -hmm. the cannibal corpse thing. That's like, you know, a new evolution and you know i said i don't really sit around and talk about how great my bands are but when i hear <laughs> it, it it makes perfect sense and it made that song really really a little special put you know pushed it over the edge 
Um, I think with having like Todd Jones produce this record, uh, you know, nails like is bordering that line between the hardcore and death metal. And the, the stuff we did on this record with, with Todd being so involved was just so like brutal and intense that like, it just made sense to like, instead of just having like one of our friends from, from hardcore, maybe just search a little bit outside the box. And I think like we fucking found the right person. Yeah. And was it one of those things? Cause I mean, anybody that has ever met Todd and I would lovingly say this to his face, like he's a unique dude, you know, brings a very unique energy and intense energy. Like you were talking about, especially the music that he's put out. Was it just a matter of like you guys all kind of collectively thinking, Oh, that would be cool to bring Todd in then just like threw him a text or, um, you know, I'm sure you're going to tell the story in like 9 million different ways, but was it as simple as just like reaching out to him and be like, Hey, do you want to work on this new terror record? I'll try to remember this the best I can. Um, I would say two records ago. Um, so this, this might've been for the 25th hour. The, okay. Uh, excuse me if I'm off to anyone that hears this, that knows. Um, I think when we were writing for the 25th hour, me, Jordan, me, Jordan and Nick and Todd got together and tried to write some songs just in one session. And it was really cool, but we, it, it never went anywhere. It just kind of, it was this one day and we didn't use anything. Todd had a couple riffs and it, it went away. And then, um, more recently over the last, let's say two years ago, uh, me and Todd had been talking a lot and, uh, we had this idea to just do a, a, a side project. It was going to be me, Todd and Jared Carmen, who was in Trapped Under, who is in Trapped Under Ice and Down to Nothing, and it was just a lot of talk. And we were just talking, and that just never went anywhere either. Now this is where the details. I'm not exactly sure how this happened, but the facts are: Todd lives in lived lives in the L.A. area. Me, I did at the time. Nick did. Martine at the time. Terror was grounded due to the pandemic. Jordan was in Canada and our bass player, Chris was in Maine and no one's traveling. No one's doing anything. None of us have anything to do one way or another. Me, Todd and Nick, I, I and it must've, I'm going to say it was my idea, but I don't know if it was sure. Me, Todd and Nick. It, it was so bizarre. We just, that that's how the band started 20 years ago. Me, Todd and Nick, driving to Nick's home studio and writing terror songs. That's how the demo happened. That's how Lois of the Low happened. That's how one with the underdogs happened. So we just, the three of us would get together. We're writing new terror songs. We asked Todd to produce it. It was all known. He's not back in the band. He doesn't want to be in the band. He doesn't want to tour with us. He doesn't want to play with us, but he's going to produce and help write this record. Martine would come and play bass sometimes. Chris and Jordan would send us songs and we would, you know, sometimes there, there's songs on the record that Jordan wrote the whole thing. Todd had nothing to do with There's songs that Jordan wrote a song. We took the one riff, Nick wrote the next riff, Todd wrote the breakdown. So we, everyone was involved, but the people in LA were in the room together. And, uh, I mean, the record is it's, you know, the closest thing I can say to the early terror stuff, obviously, because Todd's so involved in it. And like you were saying, and I'll uh, double down on, he's super, in first of all, he's just an amazing guitarist yep. and songwriter, just a hardcore. I'm sure he could write anything, but for like heavy music songwriting, he is only hit home runs. The carry on LP is fucking perfect. Nails is amazing. He's just really good at what he does. So getting him back in the fold with helping us create these songs and him bringing his intensity, it's really, really fucking cool. And I was in LA like uh, a couple weeks ago and I saw him and we were like hanging out and acting a little crazy, getting loose. 
And I was like, Todd, you better start fucking writing for that next record and getting ideas together because <laughs> we're not doing the next one without you. And he's like, all right, all right. You know, he's like. Yeah, he's in like, usual Todd fashion. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right, all right, all right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's I, it's really cool because that I honestly kind of without hearing the story, I kind of surmised that it was that sort of logical where it's like, oh yeah, we like yeah, we should just talk to Todd because I mean Todd clearly has the you know musical chops to be able to dive into anything he wants to do from a heavy music perspective. But yeah, he doesn't want to like be in a band, but he can of course you know help us build this from the ground up because he was there at the installation of the ground. <laughs> right. He, I mean, for, you know, you can't take me and Nick out of the equation cause we've been in the band since day one, but the, the sound is, you know, what was in his head. He, he built the sound and he started the insanity train rolling, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the last thing I want to hit on before I let you go was the, uh, you know, the idea because you've been so, you know, involved and there's been clearly many times where you could have uh, obviously like not cared about hardcore, live a traditional life and all these other things. Um, and I use the word traditional in air quotes. <laughs> how does your, you know, how do your, uh, friends and family that clearly, you know, know that you're passionate about this and know that there's like no other way that you would want to live your life? Um, you know, do, do they still just kind of are like, Man, Scott, he's just—he's still into this weird stuff, touring with bands and stuff like that. Or are they generally supportive over you know what you do because you've been doing it for so long? Hmm. I think. I mean, you'd have to ask them. Sure. But I think everybody probably thought at first, okay, he's just like really into this music stuff, and he's going to get it out of his system. And then it became, oh, wow, he, you know, when we were on like Headbangers Ball, oh, wow, he was on MTV. Oh, wow, he's in Japan again. His band went back to Japan. Um, and I think now it's just like, I'll, I, I think from their perspective, they'll say, I'm never going to understand this. I'm never going to uh understand why people like or love this music but i have to accept that he's done this and i've never borrowed a dollar from anyone in my family i'm completely self-sufficient off music so i think they have to respect it and know that it's something kind of special and it took me a lot farther than they ever thought it would i mean me too i could say this too Mm -hmm. I never thought I would, I never thought Tara would put out, you know, 10 records and tour for 20 years and I'd be able to pay my bills off of it. So for me looking at it, it's still kind of crazy, but I think they are probably somewhat proud of me, but still confused how the fuck it all, all fell into place. Right. <laughs> totally. Totally. It was just, especially too, with the idea that, you know, as you were, you know, playing in your early bands, like clearly there was no roadmap for anybody to quote unquote make a living off of music. And it's like, you know, even if it was a mere living, there's no, that, that was not part of anyone's, <laughs> anyone's idea. Right. Yeah. Not at all. <laughs> well, when, when Tara started, I remember we, me, Todd and Nick talked and we said, okay, we've all been in bands that have toured and, and all little stuff here and there and broke up. Let's just go for it. Let's just, whatever comes our way, let's say yes, let's tour, let's be like a full-time band. But I don't think the thought would ever be it would go on this fucking long. Sure, absolutely right. It's just like there has to be some sort of logical conclusion, but it's like, well, if it's still fun and it's still sustainable from a sort of business perspective, like why, why are we going to hang this up at all? I got a question. You think there's more than 10 hardcore bands that have been around for 20 years? And there's it, like Sick it, of It All, Hate Breed, Comeback Kid. Right. Mad, Mad Ball. Yeah. You could, you could argue. Well, I mean, if you, I think you probably have to parse the argument two ways. There's, cause like, you know, AF. You could, yeah. Ignite, you know, like they're. Ignite. 
but but I don't the, know though. I don't think it nights a full time band though. Right, exactly. But then just the idea of like how many records that certain bands have put out, you know? Like I, I think you can view it one of two ways. Bands that maybe have existed for a long time but haven't put out that much music versus bands that have put out a ton of music and also existed. But yeah, you're right. I think that there's you are for sure in a uh small class of kids. A fucking psychopaths. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, but and to your point, like that you've been consistent, you know, you've you've always kind of been there. And I think that's, you know, not only is that endearing to some people, but then other people would be like, oh, yeah, I'm just not going to pay attention to terror for a couple of years. And then, you know, you guys need to give them a reason to be like, hey, guys, like not only are we still here, but we're putting out some of our best music. So this is what we got going on now. <laughs> <laughs> right it's it's very hard to stay uh relevant is the word i guess yeah but, yeah you know hey, you as far as i'm concerned you've done it and you've been able to um you know build your um build your tribe and i know that sounds a little uh, cheesy but you've been able to you know carry people along no matter how old or young they are for people it's just like i, I would be you know if i were to take a sur- take a survey of 100 hardcore kids outside of a show most of them have probably seen terror and very few of them, in my opinion, even if they hate your music, they'll be like, oh, yeah, they're, they're pretty good life. You know, <laughs> like, right. you're, you're kind of unequivocal at this point. It's like, oh, yeah, like, yeah, terror, of course. Like, they're good. This is what they got. I'll take it. Hell yeah, Scott. <laughs> well, well, thanks for catching up with me, dude. I really appreciate it. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked you're, uh, you know, in a, in a good headspace and uh, moving forward positively. Thanks for having me back on your podcast, and I'm sure we will run into each other sometime in the near future. Absolutely, Scott. You're the best. What a gem of a human being, right? I know. I just, I think that's such a fun word to say, a gem of a human. Anyways, Scott is exactly that. And like I said, Terra is a new record. They're out on tour right now. Please go support them and listen to their new record, Painted to Power, that came out on Pure Noise Records. Shout out to them. Shout out to Terra. And shout out to James Goodson, their publicist who brought the idea to me. And I was like, you know what? Hell yeah. Let's have Scott on. It's been eight years. Let's do it. Next week, I have a fun conversation with a human being named Brett Bolet. He plays in a band called Astronoid. And if you have not listened to Astronoid, please do yourself a favor. If you're a fan of anything sort of progressive, metal, technical, I don't care, anything in that that stew of music that I've just described, you will absolutely fall head over heels with Astronoid. And they have a new record coming out. So I had to talk to Brett because I had his bandmate, Casey, on the show. Ah, oh, man, seven years ago, six years ago. It's been forever. But uh, yeah, Brett, I've always been captivated by uh, this, this project and band that he put together. So uh, we hang out on the pod next week. And again, isn't that fun? We can have a hardcore legend like Scott Vogel and then a you know sort of newer, up-and-coming band, Astronoid. I just love it. Anyways, until next week, please be safe, everybody. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.